Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. No Wolf, no Luke, no Aaron Maloney, but Wolf and Down Your Lunch lives on. Lauren filling the shoes of the great E on today. Tim Ring and Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke with you on a holiday Monday. Good to be with you, everybody. Lauren, what's on your mind? It's good to be with you guys today. Last week, the Arizona Cardinals hired their new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, their new OC, Drew Petzing, and their new DC, Nick Rawless. What are your guys' expectations for this young coaching squad next year? Well, Howard, I'll go first. Uh, you know, it's really tough to put expectations on a coaching staff when you just don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be back. Uh, so my expectations are that they come in, that they change the culture, that there's a tighter ship. As I often said, I thought Cliff Kingsbury ran the loosest ship in America. Uh, I'd like to see a a culture overhaul here. A little more respect out of the locker room for the head coaching position. uh, Coming from the quarterback and from everybody else on that roster. Uh, I'd like to see the Cardinals not as heavily penalized. I think they led the league again in penalties last season. I think that's always a reflection on the the head coach and the leadership uh, on a football team when a team commits that many penalties. So I'd like to see the Cardinals be a, a tighter, more well-run organization in that regard. Uh, I'd like to see them, their operations be a lot more smooth uh, on Sundays, uh, game days. And I'd like to see discernible progress with the football team. Play cleaner football. Uh, aggressive football. Uh, not play the style of football that makes you say, what in the hell are they doing out there, Howard Balzer? Uh, then in terms of wins and losses, I, 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 I got to see Kyler Murray back on the football field before I can... We, we don't know who's quarterbacking this football team until they gets back. So right. to sit there and put a number on, well, I think they should go, you know, whatever, 11 and 6 or or, or 9 and 8. I I can't I can't go there yet until we have a better idea of the timeline of a Murray return and who is quarterbacking this team until he returns. And it's not only Murray. I mean, we've alluded to all the work that has to be done on this roster. So to 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 put out what we expect. I mean, mostly I expect the same things you were expecting from a big picture uh, type of situation. But in terms of this roster, I mean, we have no idea right now what this roster is going to look like when training camp opens at the end of the July and the July, much less when OTAs begin in May. And one other note is that teams with a new coach can have an extra mini camp. And that usually occurs before the draft. So, uh, but we don't even know who, who's going to be a part of the team then. Obviously, the draft picks won't. But what's going to happen in free agency with all the different guys that whose contracts are up? Who will they sign from other teams? The offensive line has to be almost rebuilt, at least at center and left guard as starters. And then will Will Hernandez be back at right guard? Like I said, we we could go down. A list, Tim, and 
look at every almost every position at some point on this team and say, we don't know who's going to be on this roster. So to say what we expect is way premature, but I think we all do expect a whole different feel around this team. And, you know, whether pe- some people like Kingsbury, some people didn't, whatever it was, it's going to be different. There's no doubt about that. And that was, that, that's been evident so far, and it'll be even more evident as things pick up in this offseason, as the staff is hired, and free, I mean, free agency begins in less than a month. March 15th is when players can start signing with teams. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how active the Cardinals are. I think I can safely say that we all hope we get one, more than one home win this next season. <laughs> Our Sanderson-Ford poll question is up now on ArizonaSports.com and it asks, with Kevin Durant in town, what is the minimum the Suns have to do to consider the 2022-2023 season a success? You have three options. Make the conference finals, make the NBA finals, or win the franchise's first title. Make the NBA finals. Make the NBA Finals, and, uh, and I falling short of that, I think, would be a very significant disappointment for this entire basketball community. The reason why I don't want to say not winning the championship, while disappointing, if the Suns were to lose to the Bucks or the Celtics in a fantastic six or game seven game series, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say, hey, this whole thing wasn't a success. A failure, abject failure. They didn't win the championship. That is going to be a whole lot of fun. That is going to be one hell of a basketball ride until late June. And it's going to give us a whole lot of entertainment. And it's going to give us a whole lot of drama. Disappointment, yes. Failure to reach the goal, the ultimate goal, absolutely. But I will not deem the entire Durant trade and what they what they've done here not a success if they were to lose in the finals in six or seven games but if they don't make the finals and they lose in the in the western conference finals or the conference semis again i would be prepared to say well that didn't work doesn't mean the trade was a bad idea it just didn't work at least this year I'll run it back again next year howard yeah i i, I think some of it is a little premature i, I would i would be a little more accepting and say win two series and make it to the conference final because you make it to the conference final you're playing most likely the the other best team in the conference and we know that a lot of times anything can happen in a best of seven series and so this trade, while certainly everyone's looking at it, oh, win a championship immediately. The reality is you still have to mesh all these pieces together. Now, granted, there's 22 games and then playoff games to start doing that. But if you're playing good basketball and you lose to a really good team, I tend to not look at that as a failure because what you're what you've what you've done with this trade is make is make the team obviously a if not a favorite at least one of the teams that has a chance going forward and so that's why I would say you don't want to get bounced in the first or the second round of the postseason. And like I said, you, you can make the conference final and just play a really good series, and all of a sudden you fall short. I, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, that's a failure. That's a failure. Disappointing, yes. But I think there's more fish to fry in the future that that's what this trade was, was done for, not just for this season. 
Well, you guys would be in the minority. 49% of our listeners say winning the franchise's first title is the only thing they would consider this season to be a success. <laughs> and sticking with the Suns. Well, you say 49%, so 51% don't say that. <laughs> Still, still about half think it was. And I, I understand that. That's that's the way fans think. I get that. Because a lot of times there isn't a whole lot of, uh, what's what's the word? You know, a whole a whole lot of big picture view or anything like that. This is the only way it won't be a failure. And then, oh, listen, but, hey, this th- that's the goal. The, 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 I, oh, no, the, I, yeah, I realize that. And they saw, they, listen, they... they, they Nothing short of a championship should be acceptable. They, that should be the ultimate goal. That's what the eye is. That's why Duran is here. That's why you pull a trigger and you mortgage the future and you send Bridges and Johnson and all those draft picks out of town. It is to win a championship. Let's be clear about that. And with Chris Paul, you talk about the Chris Paul window, the best opportunity to do that is this summer. Because by the time the playoffs roll around next year, well, he'll turn 39 in the middle of the playoffs next year. Think about that. So it's at least at least with the Chris Paul window. It's kind of this summer or or never. Now, it doesn't mean you can't make another run at it next year with a really old Chris Paul and another point guard to help, but this is this is the this is the Chris Paul shot now right here coming up in June. And on that note, the new key piece of the Suns, Kevin Durant, is scheduled to make his Suns debut this week. What are your guys' expectations for the Suns in that first game with KD? <laughs> Win. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I think probably just by the 49%, they would probably be disappointing if he didn't score 50 <laughs> in, in his first game. Oh, that's a failure. Oh, my goodness. He, he, he's not that good. And But now I'm being a little facetious there. But we also know how many people... People think at times, but yeah, you you want to win. You want to win. Obviously, that's that that's the goal always. But you're always, you're always still are building for the next game and the next game and the next game, and you just can't lose sight of that either. Hey, Lauren, real simple: win the game, show some chemistry with Paul and Booker, play 25 minutes, score 17 or 18 points, get out of there with a victory, and then hit that four game road trip. That would be a victory, and those are my expectations for Durant on Friday. All right. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. Wolf and Luke rolling on here on a holiday Monday. Timmering Howard Balls are in for Luke, uh, Luke and Wolf Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're back rocking out on a Monday. Tim Ray Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke. Going to be with everybody today on a holiday Monday, President's Day. Hope it's treating you guys all well. Uh, the Suns on the All Star break right now. The entire NBA is everybody else in the NBA mostly is back on Thursday. Suns have to wait an extra day. Could be Kevin Durant night uh, in the Valley. The Suns and the Oklahoma City Thunder at Footprint Center. ESPN has taken that game. By the way, it's now an 8 p.m. tip on ESPN uh, in anticipation of Durant's debut uh, here in the Valley as the Suns take on the. Oklahoma City Thunder. Then the Suns, after that, go out on the road uh, for a road trip, four games uh, away from home. Now, Howard, I got into a Twitter conversation with a few people over the weekend, so I thought it would actually make a good segment today uh, talking about the Suns 
playoff rotation. And it stemmed from my thoughts on why I thought Kevin Love could have been a good fit with the Phoenix Suns if the Suns were able to pluck him out of the buyout market. Now, Love is going to go to the Miami Heat. Now, I understand that Kevin Love is well past his prime. I understand that this is not the Kevin Love from 10 years ago when he was a top 10 player in the league. Believe it or not, he was at one point when he was playing for the Timberwolves. I do understand that the Cleveland Cavaliers are currently fourth in the Eastern Conference and they are saying goodbye to Kevin Love. So understand that. But I also believe that the Suns are in a unique position where they're short on veteran backup big men that can come in handy in high leverage playoff situations. And as good as Ish Wainwright has been in spots, Ish currently actually is not even on the team. they got to figure out what to do with Ish. I just think that when you get into a high-leverage playoff series situation, Game 5, Game 6, and you got to go to your bench, having a guy like Kevin Love out there has value as opposed to some of the guys that are currently on the Suns roster who have not been through those wars and situations as of yet. Okay, so knowing that what the Suns' playoff rotation may look like and should should the Suns continue to shop in the buyout market. And Howard, it's interesting, and people were kind of wondering, to me anyway, listen, are the Suns good enough on the back end? Kevin Durant was asked about it in Salt Lake City. He said, listen, I know that's the common criticism right now, that we're not deep enough come playoff time. But we're we're going we're gonna to find out. My question is, how deep... Do you think Monty Williams is going to get into his rotation come playoff time? So, Howard, let's just assume Torrey Craig stays in the starting lineup. Okay, with with Durant, Booker, Paul, and Aiton, right? Are you good with that just for conversation's sake? Torrey Craig Craig stays in the starting lineup. Campaign, Howard, yes or no? Is he going to be in the rotation come playoff time if he's healthy? Backup point guard? Yes. Probably, sure. Yeah. Damian Lee? Yes. Yes. Terrence Ross, newly acquired Terrence Ross. Probably. Probably. T.J. Warren, scoring big man off the bench, acquired in the Kevin Durant trade. I would say probably, but... But go ahead, your thoughts. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, that's where you start getting pretty deep into that where you're already into into your ninth and that, guy. That that's where I'm going with that. So you so you would one would think TJ Warren would be a part of the playoff rotation. I haven't even gotten yet to DeAndre Ayton's backups yet, which could be a combination of Jock Landale and, and, and Biz, whichever Monty feels is needed at that particular time, offense or defense. That's it ten guys right there. And I'm not even sure they're gonna get ten deep. Which means Warren or D Lee's not gonna crack that playoff rotation. Now we have not even talked about guys like Landry Shamit and Josh Okogie and Darius Baisley. And if they do bring Ish back for the rest of the season, that these guys might not even play. Right. So it's it's interesting to me that you, I'm not sure. I, I guess the, 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 the conversation is, do the Suns have enough? Are you worried? Should you even be worried about a Baisley or an, or an Ish? These guys may... You know, not to not to be harsh, but they might not even get off the bench come playoff time because you have to think Damian Lee, Cameron Payne, Terrence Ross, and then somebody's got to back up Aiton. So Bismack and Jack Landale are going to be out there. If the roster stays as currently constructed, these guys are going to play. So you're not going to get eleven, twelve deep. So this is going to be the team, Howard Balzer. These are the guys I just rattled off. Where where you you may have Shamit and Akogi and Ish and Baisley. Not getting off the bench as good as Okogie has been at times here lately. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a great problem to have. So I think you point out that there is at least some credible depth on this team. And how much do you end up playing that depth in playoff games anyway? And obviously you're playing almost every other night, so you don't want to overwork guys. So you do want to use your bench. And these these series can be end up being pretty physical, obviously, and obviously competitive. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to be very intriguing to see the way uh, uh, Monty Williams and the coaching staff parcels it all out. And, of course, we're all assuming... Here's the, we're all assuming that all these guys we're mentioning are going to stay healthy, and obviously that's that's a big key. Certainly, certainly Duran is one of them. I mean, let's let's be real here. This is a guy who's missed a bunch of games over the last few seasons. He's been, been missing how, I don't know how many how many games it's been since he hasn't played, and so when he comes back, assumedly on Friday, you want to be awfully sure that nothing is going to happen that. Some, that, that another injury occurs because that would be the worst the worst possible result obviously is all of a sudden he's not available but you know all all those things you know create what he what what the coaching staff's going to have to figure out but i, th- I think they'll be okay depth wise and but the, the real obvious key will be is is all these top starters play at the level that they're capable of and that you might not have you know you want to go to the bench give rest and all those things but you don't want to have to count on them too much so that's you know that that's really where it'll all be decided is is on these top guys your top starters and 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 that fifth guy like you mentioned with um with Tory Craig, I mean, how many minutes does he get as the starter? There could be a few guys, you know, you're interchanging certain guys here and there, which you know you're going to do during a game anyway. And so how it all parcels out to keep everybody fresh is is going to be big. Well, it's always ultimately going to come down in the fourth quarter to your to your to your A-list players. Like it's going to come down to Durant and Paul and Booker. And so I get that. But you don't want your bench to be a liability. Right, these guys are going to play significant minutes throughout the course of a game. Right, they're going to play in high leverage situations. Game, games four, games five, game six of playoff series, and at some point, somebody's going to end up with the ball in their hands uh, with a key shot on a key possession in the third quarter of a critical game. You know, who do you trust to knock down that shot? And that's why I, I harken back to I would have liked to have seen a guy like Kevin Love here, even though he's past his prime and there are some struggles with Kevin Love defensively. I get that. But he might be a guy that I would trust to knock down a critical shot at a critical time and even get a critical rebound uh, in a high leverage situation again in a playoff series as opposed to maybe some younger guys uh, that are currently on the team. But again, I do think, and even when I look at the Suns bench right now, I just think they're a little shorthanded in terms of that four spot defensive rebounding scares the hell out of me right now. They're just you know Lee and Ross and Payne. These guys are guards, and T.J. Warren's not exactly known as a rebounder. So you know somebody's got to hit the glass. And again, that's where Kevin Love, with his size, you know, could have really helped there uh, in that department. And again, I don't think the Suns are done in the buyout market. We'll we'll see we'll see what they can do, James Jones, in terms of refortifying this roster with maybe one more body who can help them out uh, in that department. All right, we're taking a timeout. We come back recapping the top story of the weekend. The Cardinals have their coordinators. Jonathan Gannon goes out and identifies his identifies his top two choices and he goes out and he gets them. We'll talk about it after the timeout. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
He is 29 years old, a native of Adana, Adina, Minnesota. Played his college football at the U, as they say in the Twin Cities, the University of Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. Played linebacker there. He's 29 years of age. He'll turn 30 over the summer. His name is Nick Rollis. He's the Cardinals' new defensive coordinator. Tim Ring, Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke here uh, on a Monday. Taking you up until 2 o'clock. Howard, you know, Nick Rollis, it's interesting. By the way, did you know his brother is a WWE wrestler, Madcap yes. Moss? Yes, I, I did are you see a, that. Are you a wrestling guy, Howard? I, I, I am I, not. I, I am not either. I don't know anything no. about Madcap Moss, but I'm guessing I, he's a big guy. <laughs> I, I assume he is, yes. and No, I did not know that about him prior to researching Nick Rallis, but then did learn about it afterwards. So you know, we talk, uh, we, we, sure he'll be asked about that in his first, uh, uh, you know, first media, first media, media conference. Yeah. yeah. T- yeah. Tell us about I it. I wonder if Madcap Moss can play, uh, can play edge rusher. Um, <laughs> Zach Jackson, Browns reporter from The Athletic, joined us earlier this morning to talk about Drew Petzing. So let's kind of talk a little bit about Nick Rallis, because this all went down over the, over the weekend. We haven't had a really a chance to chew on it. Now, uh, Rallis is a guy who was obviously the linebackers coach in Philadelphia. So he worked with Jonathan Gannon, and it was reported by by several, as soon as Gannon got the job, that Rollis was probably going to be his defensive coordinator. He's young. He's the youngest coordinator on either side of the ball in the National Football League now, Howard. I said earlier, that doesn't bother me. It's all about the content of his abilities and his character. And his, 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 as Jonathan Gannon said, it's about the size of their brain. And their ability to do the job and the dues that they've paid and what they've learned as a coach. Uh, so the fact that he's 29, I, I could not care less. What what does concern me, he's never been a defensive coordinator before, so we don't know if he's going to be any good at the job. And that, that would be the case whether it be 29, 39, or 49. I'd have those same concerns if he was a first-time defensive coordinator. But, Howard, from what you've seen and what you've read about uh, Nick Rollis, uh, why do you believe that Jonathan Gannon believes that this guy will be the perfect fit here in Arizona. Yeah, that's that's the question. And and so in, in all of this, Tim, we all have to have if if faith is the word, is that we we obviously know that Jonathan Gannon saw a whole bunch in Nick Rallis, Nick Rallis that that impressed him because this guy has had he's had a meteoric rise when you think about it. I mean, he, he just he, he just started playing football. Or I'm, I'm sorry, he just finished playing college football seven years ago. I know. I mean, he played at Minnesota in 2016, and then he became a coach immediately at Wake Forest. And that was his only year of college coaching. And then he got hired by the Vikings in 2018. And he was there three years, and then the Eagles the last two. So obviously others have seen something in this guy that was very impressive. And so whatever it is that Jonathan Gannon saw, he says, this is this is the guy to build our defense around. Knowing, like I said earlier, there's going to be some growing pains. Heck, there's growing pains, like you said, with experienced coordinators but he believes that this is the guy that's going to going to put it all together and embodies what he wants in the way that the way defense is played and so in effect like i said you have to have faith in in jonathan gannon that he knows he knows what he's doing and that's that's all we can really say about him like like you said th- th- turns 30 
this summer. I mean, that's that's just pretty pretty crazy that he's had this rise uh, so quickly. What if what if somebody said this to you, Howard Balzer? What if somebody like me said something like this? What would your reaction be? Okay, Nick Rollis, sure, he's the defensive coordinator, but don't kid yourself. Jonathan Gannon may be the head coach, but this is Jonathan Gannon's defense. He'll be in charge. He'll be calling the shots. He'll be in lockstep with Nick Rollis. Gannon will have the ultimate say. What the Cardinals do defensively will be under the close watch of Jonathan Gannon. He will be in charge of that side of the football. Rollis will be his his yes man and his caretaker and yes he'll be the defensive coordinator but this is Jonathan Gannon's defense I think there'll be I think there's probably some truth to that I don't think it goes as far as the way you were putting it or probably some others would because he's hiring him because he's he has experience with him he coached under him in Philadelphia at, at the position at, at linebackers coach and that he believes he's worthy of this spot and that he knows the type of defense that Jonathan Gannon wants to play. And so I am sure, absolutely certain, that Gannon will have impact on this because he's expecting Nick Rallis to play the type of defense that he wants to be played. Now, will he be a yes man? I don't, I, I don't believe that'll be the case. But everything, everything to a degree is collaborative in the NFL. It was kind of like we remember in the first hour we were talking about, we, we tend to want to put, okay, if you missed a draft pick, that was the, you know, the GM's fault. If you, you <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you missed, you know, you didn't, didn't make a play on defense to lose a game. What he made, didn't make a play. That's a defensive coordinator's fault. As if there's not a myriad of other pieces that go into it all. So it is, it is very, Collaborative, and like I pointed out, the quote that Gannon said about uh, what he had said about Andy Reid. He he had said, "I'll never be as smart as Andy Reid," but where I do align with him philosophically is seven or eight brains are better than one, and I think that's what this defense will be. That's what this offense will be. It'll be a lot of collaboration from a lot of period uh, from a lot of people. And yes, at the end of the day, one guy makes the defensive call. And now remember, Jonathan Gannon was asked on Thursday, is he going to call the defensive plays? And he said, I don't know yet. And it could very well be that he will starting out. Or he could gain tremendous confidence through off-season, through OTAs, through minicamp, through training camp, that, hey, this guy's ready to call the plays. It doesn't mean, though, you're not on the headset and you're listening and you're hearing what he's doing and saying at one point, hey, this might be another way to do it the next time or something like that. That's collaborative. That's working together. And I think that's the way Jonathan Gannon will, will seek to do things. And at some point, Rallis will be doing it all. Will it be right off the start? Who knows? But I don't think he's going to be a puppet by any stretch of the imagination or a yes man because obviously Gannon believes in what this guy can do on defense and putting a defense together. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I by no means, well, uh, when I gave that kind of 
spiel or takes would would think that Rollins would be a a, a puppet. Uh, right. But if but if Gannon calls the plays, I think that would be certainly telling in terms of um, where that relationship is at in terms of his belief of Rollins's readiness maybe to to do that at this particular time in the 2023 season. You know, it's inter- interesting, Howard, t- talking to people who are familiar with the way that Bill Belichick runs things in New England, and you're talking about now the best defensive mind to, to ever do it, right? So I don't expect Jonathan Gannon to try to emulate the way Bill Belichick does it, but it's interesting. You know, Belichick obviously is very hands-on and completely puts together the defensive game plan for any given Sunday. And even though he has defensive coordinators, Belichick basically gives the game plan to his coordinators. And for every situation, Belichick will say, on any given, like, let's say third and seven or third and nine or third and two, he'll give the coordinators before the game, during the week, the game plan, like, okay, if they're in this situation, a third and seven, you have these three particular, you have these three options. So he, he streamlines the game plan for the coordinators where are they technically calling plays? Yes. But Bill has whittled it down where, yeah, you can call the plays. You'll call one of the three that I've already I've already game planned for it. I've already selected. So your your choices are not the entire defensive playbook here, young man. You will pick one of the three that I've right. already pre-selected. So uh, there's a there's different. You know, coaches do it different ways, and there's different degrees of how hands-on defensive coaches are. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and again, this this does go back to a little bit of of Rollis's, uh, not age per se, but inexperience. That you know, will Gannon will Gannon give him the full reins to call the plays right off out of the game? Or will Gannon kind of ease his young defensive coordinator into this? And will Gannon call plays early on in his tenure, even though he's the head mm-hmm. football coach? And, and remember, there's a lot of collaboration that goes into putting that game plan in. It's not as if the coordinator or that one guy is sitting in a room alone in the dark and just puts the whole game plan together. Most of the time, they are doing it in collaboration with the other coaches on the staff. And Andy Reid has admitted that's the case, you know, with, 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 you know, with the offense and why he said, okay, Eric, the enemy, if you feel you need to go somewhere just so the perception is that, that you're calling the plays and you're in charge, go ahead and do it. Because Reid would always say, we're a democracy here. Every coach's ideas count. And, and you, you put it all together and no, nobody can do it by themselves. And there can be a linebackers coach or a DB coach that said, Hey, how about, how, how about this play against this team? I watched this team on tape and you saw, saw this. That, that's what, ha- so much of it, there's so much more collaboration. Tim that I think a lot of people realize or give credit for and and so obviously Gannon's been in, in a lot of meeting rooms with Nick Rallis previously when he was putting together whatever the game plan was for the Eagles and I'm sure that a lot of those other position coaches were were helping with that and and suggesting things that would work in this particular game and so that's that, that's 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 pretty much the way it should work, and I think in most places, that's the way it does work. All right, so Nick Rollis in the fold as the Cardinals defensive coordinator at the age of 29. He will turn 30 on July 13th. He comes over from the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the linebackers coach in 2021, and of course, this last season in 2022. The offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, he is 35 years of age. He comes over from the Cleveland Browns, where he was the quarterback's coach. You talk about 
brought in Ascension. Now, Nick Rollins was playing college football in 2016. That's pretty amazing. How about the coaching rise of Drew Petsy? Ten seasons ago, Howard, the Cardinals' new offensive coordinator was coaching outside linebackers at Yale. Yep. If you if you would have asked the Yale outside linebackers coach ten years ago, hey, you'll be coaching the Arizona Cardinals offense in a decade. How do you think he would have responded to that? My gracious, what a wild ride some of these coaches are on in that wacky profession. All right, we're taking a timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA All Star Game last night. Oh my God, what a joke that was! Tim Ray, Howard Balzer, in for Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 12.47 on a Monday. And I bring up the time. I'm wondering, has the NBA All-Star Game halftime ended yet? (laughs) I don't think the game has ended. Is the the halftime still going on? Have they started the second half yet? Jeez Louise. The hell was that last night? Now, Timmery Howard Balzer in for uh, Wolf and Luke here on a holiday Monday. Um, I love basketball. I love the NBA. It's been a huge part of my life, personally, professionally, all that jazz. Howard, I, I don't know what to say anymore. Um, right. I, 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 I how, love the, how different was it for well, the last few years? Listen, you know. Listen, I love the pageantry of the All-Star Weekend. I love seeing everybody together. I I love a good party. The 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 weekend was full of moments. Mac McClung winning that slam dunk contest was something to behold at six foot two. But that was fantastic. Uh Jason Tatum scores fifty five, so cosmetically that that's pretty cool. He wins the Kobe Bryant MVP trophy and you know, Damian Lillard hitting a half court shot, and I guess the the Celtics guy is going at each other one on one for a little bit in the third quarter. But I mean, the the basketball game has deteriorated into into a joke. I, it's you know Bob Ryan from the Boston Globe, who's obviously covered this this sport for for years, and it covered the great Celtics teams of, of Bird and and before that. Uh, tweeted about it. He actually just said the same thing I did. He said, I love basketball. So by definition, I have zero interest in the NBA All-Star game, which has deteriorated (laughs) into a ludicrous farce. Believe it or not, once upon a time, the greatest players in the world wanted to play serious basketball, not engage in a defenseless dunkarama. You know, Howard, this is what I was talking about earlier in the show when we touched on it at 10 o'clock this morning. There's nothing redeeming about the game. I, I like. I get it. I know you guys can dunk. Whipty freaking do. Great. Oh, there's a dunk. There's an alley oop. Wow, great. You know, golf clap. <laughs> like the sarcastic clapping family on Saturday Night Live. You know. <laughs> you know. I just. I don't. I don't know what the NBA does. But that. That's. I mean, that was a snooze fest last night. And those that were at the game said the arena was dead. There was no excitement. Like, I get guys don't want to get hurt. But, but I mean, come on. This is this is also not the National Football League. And I, I just, you know, you can go out and play pickup basketball, but you can't you can't go out and give it your all in a in an All Star game. I mean, for years, guys did it. They played relatively hard. 
Maybe not to the extent of a real NBA game, but they at least somewhat played a game. I mean that that was that was a that was a, an embarrassment last night. I mean it, there was nothing there was nothing redeeming to watch that game last night from an enjoyment standpoint. If I can hop in, um, I actually had a lot of fun watching it. I really could not care less yeah. with that opinion. Well, I, I, I had a lot of fun. What do you mean you had a, what do you mean you had a lot of fun? Were you like just yeah, like so, so here's, here's why I had a lot of fun. They were doing things, these players, that took amazing skill. Like, yeah, there was no defense, but it was kind of like watching just like a really doesn't take skill cool. to, doesn't take skill to do what they were doing Jesse with nobody yeah. nobody defending yeah them. when when you're when you can or just the displays of athleticism and the the crazy dunks that they were doing and the half court shots and stuff like that I found it super entertaining and then the whole back and forth with the Celtics guys I had fun you know I thought it was yeah they're not playing a real basketball game but I would rather not see guys get hurt you know that would affect their teams, and so we would have good playoffs. I, I didn't really have an issue with it, except for the really long halftime show. I don't know. I, I th- it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is of, of the NBA powers that be. Okay, well, you know, and, you know who did ever you know who, who disagrees with you, Jalen Brown, Jesse, who, who after the game said that's that's not basketball. You know? No, but it was good entertainment, in my opinion. Well, what are we doing, though? I mean, is it an all-star game, or or is it an is, is it is it dunkathon to to impress you know the Jesse Morrisons of the world? I would like to see a game because at last check, it is the all-star game. It's an exhibition. Who cares? A lot of what people, are they playing a for? A lot of what people are they care. playing for? A lot of people care, Jesse. A lot of people care. It's a game. If you're going to play a game, play a game. I mean, they're the, what was what's the point of doing that last night? Just have a just, yeah, we, just, we, we go, know just, how great these yeah we know how great these guys are. we know how they we, yeah we know they can dunk that that's go, go put them all in the dunk contest then have a dunk contest I I I just. I just I don't well I again I, I, I use the word what, what what was redeeming about watching that last night? I mean I've been watching all star games for forty years and I've seen some really good ones, really entertaining ones. And this game is deteriorating to the point where it's like the Pro Bowl, which which eventually had to be cancelled because it was such a pile of crap. <laughs> and that was a pile of crap last night. Tough to argue with that. Now, yeah, now, that's, uh, now, and that doesn't mean there's no no entertainment value at all. Some of it, okay, yeah, that's a good. But to go on for, I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. How many how many total points were scored? Something like three hundred and seventy something. Well, the final was one eighty four, one seventy five. And like yeah. I said, I, I want to be very clear. There there were there were moments. Okay, the 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 night the weekend had moments that were great. And relatively memorable, and not, and I'm not, and I'm not even bothered about LeBron tapping out at the half or Giannis tapping out after ten seconds. You know that's fine. Whatever these guys got to take care of their their bodies, and they they at least gave the fans something. But I mean, just just to stand around and let guys just drive in and lay it up. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, why are we even bothering to to do this? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I'm confident Luka Doncic can get to the basket and lay it in. You know, <laughs> I, I know, I know Jason Tatum can dunk. I know these guys can shoot threes. 
you know, and we saw this happen. With, listen, Howard, like the Pro Bowl was not great in the 70s and 80s either, but it got really bad in the last 15 years. And we're seeing the same thing now with the NBA All-Star Game. You know, and Bob Ryan is right. Like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, these guys played. And then in the fourth quarter, they really played. So, but I don't know what the NBA no can do. I don't know what the NBA can do about it. I don't know what they should do about yeah, it. I, I, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. It's not like football where you okay, let's try a flag game and see see how that flies. There's not much you can do with an NBA game to make it better or not as bad as it was. So I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. If there if there even is one. The weekend is great. I, I think the NBA does a fantastic job. I, I like I like All Star Saturday Night, even with the long halftime show. Uh, good entertainment. It probably went on a little too long. Not the entertainment part, just the the actual length of the halftime show, or the actual length of the halftime. I'm like, my gosh, it's like been it's been an hour. They are playing the second <laughs> half, right? Maybe it would have been a good idea not to. Just I, I just wish the intensity were picked up on a scale of one to ten. You know, the intensity, I wish it was at a six or a seven as opposed to a one or a two. Right. And even even if it was, though, so instead of having 300 and quote, about 380 points, well, then you don't, you'd have it 140 to 130 or something like that. Maybe that would be a little more palatable. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's ever, if it, if it can go back. It, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine. That's why I say it'll be very interesting to see what the NBA powers that be uh, say about this and what, uh, what a lot of the other reaction is around the country to, uh, to what went on. Well, I'm, I'm searching Twitter, Howard. A lot of people are saying the same thing as, that, that I am. And, right. you know, some of it is, you know. Listen, there's always going to be people that that disagree, and that's fine. And and and, and Jesse, I'm, I'm I'm giving Jesse crap, but I totally respect his opinion. If he's entertained, if other people are entertained, that's totally fine. Totally fine. If you, if if that doesn't if that didn't bother you last night, totally fine. Have at it. Okay. But a lot of people are like myself that thought that that was that was not entertaining. That 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 it could be better or it should be better. And that, and that's just taking the pulse on Twitter, which is a very small percentage of of the country, obviously. But still, it's always a pretty good window into how mm-hmm. people feel about it. And I just read a tweet from from Bob Ryan and people that have covered this league for a long time. So they're out there. You can sample it yourself. So hey, real uh, quick, yeah. Hey, real 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 quick, as I switch switch gears very quickly because there is some breaking news. Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media has reported that Jonathan Gadden is keeping Cardinals he- assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Jeff. Rogers. So there's one coach that's being retained on Jonathan Gadden's staff. Uh, so that's some news. There's also some news that the receivers coach of Washington, Drew Terrell, who was interviewed for the offensive coordinator job, is still considered a strong candidate to be the passing game coordinator for the Cardinals. And by the way, you know how old he will be in uh, July, Tim? <laughs> 32. <laughs> All right. The young guns. The young guns. The young guns are here to change the culture. I'm all for it. That's right. Bring them on. All right. Uh, speaking of the All-Star game and the All-Star break, one son who was not there, uh, Devin Booker. I wonder how Book felt about that watching last night, knowing that he was not selected to play in the All-Star game. Will he be a man on the mission coming up for these final 22 games and the playoffs? Take a look ahead to that and preview the Suns 
game against the Thunder on Friday night, which could, could, could be the debut of Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform. Tim Ray Howard Balzer uh, in for Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.